thank you for being a part of our church service today. It is our desire at Riverstone Church that God's Word will work in you to produce an abundant field life. To know more about the ministry or to support, visit riverstonechurch.net. May the Lord bless you today as you listen to this message. What I'm going to attempt to do today, uh, I've got three chords here. Um, I am going to attempt to begin to take these chords or these threads that we've been perceiving and thinking and understanding about. I'm going to try to take these chords and tie them together so that we have a sense of what God is speaking to us, uh, so that we have a sense of, of what God is, is saying to us as a congregation. I've, I've thought about this uh, in terms of who we are, and I would uh, tell you that in, in my mind, um, it would be much easier to pastor a normal congregation. <laughs> not that you're not normal, <laughs> but it would be a lot easier to pastor a church that, uh, you know, we sense just does the, the routine of things um, and that we sense that is what God has called us to do is just to be in this routine of just kind of being what churches have, have always been. And I don't want to uh, negate the fact that God has called some places to be that, to be that place of just consistent uh, uh, focus, consistent doing those same things over and over again. But the sense is that God has not called us uh, to be that type of place, that God has called us rather to be a place that is more uh, our calling, our gifting is uh, to really press into what God is doing, to sense what he's doing in the earth and to begin to push and pray uh, towards that end. So again, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with kind of the routine of what we all probably know as traditional church. There's nothing necessarily wrong with that. But on the other hand, I don't think that God has called us as a fellowship to that. And so if it were kind of this, this routine, it would be a little easier for all of us because we kind of always know what to expect and where we're going and what we're doing. But when it's not the routine and we're kind of learning as we go and seeking to understand, uh, we truly have to press into and try to understand what God is calling us to do and uh, to, to be. The scriptures, when we read through the Bible, particularly in the New Testament, uh, talk about what it means to be people who uh, drink the milk of the word and what it means to be those who feast on the meat of the word. The Bible frames it in this way that milk is such that uh, it is more for the, the infant or the beginner, but it is the means through which you get to the meat, but that you ought to ultimately get to the meat, that everyone has to partake of the milk, but as you, as you drink the milk, uh, you ought to eventually get to the place to where you are feasting on the meat of the word. Milk is necessary, but cannot and should not be perpetual. The goal is to move again from, from milk to meat. And milk, as it is articulated in Scripture, is kind of the precursor to the meat of God's Word. This means that if we're to think about what it means to drink the milk of God's Word, that means there are some elementary things, some basic things, some kind of underlying things that you and I must learn and know and understand. But then there are some deeper truths or the meat of the Word that God wants us to go into. And the writers in the New Testament uh, talked about how that sometimes the church just sort of stayed in the milk and there was a desire by the apostles and others to bring them to the meat, but they weren't ready because they were just simply sitting in or enjoying or feasting on the milk and not ready for the meat. And I sense that for us as a, as a fellowship, God is calling us to feast on uh, the meat of the word, to move from, from milk 
to meet. Hebrews 5, chapter 11 puts it this way. We have much to say about this, but it is hard to make it clear to you because you no longer try to understand. In fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. But solid food is for the mature who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. So one of the deeper teachings of the Word of God is about righteousness. The writer in Hebrews says, anyone who lives on milk is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. And righteousness is coming into alignment with the teachings and practice of holiness that God requires. And holiness is required because we are to be instruments of worship to the glory of the Lord. You and I as children of God, are called to be instruments of worship to the glory of the Lord. When we think about the tabernacle and the temple, all of the utensils, no matter what their purpose, they were consecrated and made holy for that service to the Lord. And you and I, through a pursuit of righteousness by the meat of God's word can become holy for the service of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the reason we should desire to move to this consecrated holiness and righteousness for the Lord is because it is God's plan for you and me to be those instruments of worship both here and in heaven. Both here as we exist in this natural realm, but also when we step into the glories of heaven. Jesus' prayer uh, in uh, the Lord, what we refer to often as the Lord's Prayer, in Matthew chapter 6, verse 10 of that prayer says, Your kingdom come, God, your kingdom come, your will be done here as it's already been being done in heaven. So in, in heaven, God's will is coming to pass. And Jesus says to the uh, disciples at that time, you ought to pray that God's will, which is being done in heaven, ought also to be accomplished or be fulfilled here within the earth. God, your kingdom come so that your will be done on earth as it is already being done in in heaven. So what is happening right now in heaven? As we sit here this morning listening to the word of God, as we lift our hands in worship, as we pray and intercede for God's hand upon God's people, what is going on in heaven? The book of Revelation gives us insight into what is going on at this very moment, but it also gives us an insight into what is going to happen at the end of the age. And it helps us to understand the answer to Jesus' prayer, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as is already being done in heaven. In fact, turn with me to Revelation chapter 5. Let's look at verse 6. It says, And I saw between the throne with the four living creatures and the elders a lamb slain, a lamb standing as if slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. And he came and took the book just for, for knowledge's sake. We can talk about what it means about these seven spirits, but in essence, this is Jesus. This is a picture of Jesus. And he came and took the book out of the right hand of him who sat on the throne. When he had taken the book, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, each one holding a harp 
and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song saying, worthy are you to take the book and to break its seals for you were slain and purchased for God with your blood, men from every tribe and tongue and people and nation. And you have made them to be a kingdom and priest to our God and they will reign upon the earth. So a picture of what is going on in the heavenly realm and what will go on in the heavenly realm at the end of the age is in essence this exaltation of Jesus that is he is where he is lifted up where he is exalted where there is this worship that is going on musical worship that is going on before him where these bowls of incense where the prayers of the saints that is you and I the prayers that we have prayed are before him as a sweet aroma. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Worship in heaven, as we read through this, it's composed of music, a new song, a harp, and prayer, the coupling of those two together. This is why on Sunday nights, we, we try to couple or uh, link up together worship and, and prayer. It's why on Sunday morning, we invite intercessors to stand as part of the worship ministry of Sunday morning because we, we see this linking of prayer and worship together. And you can sense in moments as a congregation, we have to kind of tune in to what God is doing. Do you, do you not sense at moments that when one of the intercessors is praying that there is kind of a time when the atmosphere begins to shift and we all kind of sense it together that something is happening and we, we become in agreement with one another. That is God's will being accomplished on earth as it is in heaven. An agreement together of what is happening in the world that we see with the natural eyes and the world that we can't see with the natural eyes, but that we sense with the spirit man. Coupling together. This is why worship and prayer is so important. And I would encourage you, it's not that you always have to have music in the background when you're praying. Bible, the Bible talks about praying without ceasing, praying at all times. But when you want to enter in to that deep place of the Lord, find yourself in worship before him, singing songs, making melody, praises in your heart to the Lord. Turn on the worship music and begin to enter into that throne room place. Jesus here in this passage in Revelation 5 on the throne being worshipped by the heavenly host and the prayers, the bowls are directly related to what is going on here in the earth. In his infinite wisdom, God has allowed your prayers and my prayers to supersede time. Meaning that they last beyond the time that they're actually spoken. They don't end when the reverberation on the eardrum stops. It's actually collected in heaven and before the Lord, which is a beautiful picture, isn't it? So those who have prayed long ago for us, God is still refreshing himself in the presence of those prayers for you and for me and for the church and for his people and for those throughout history who have prayed. It's before the Lord as an aroma to him. And so when you and I find ourselves in that place of true worship and prayer, we, we actually come into alignment with what is happening in the heavenly realms, in the throne room of God. You sense in that moment who you are in Christ and the closeness to him becomes so real in that moment. Have you ever been in that place of worship and God speaks to you about something? God speaks to you about who you are. You, you sense who you are in Christ. You're, you're caught up in his presence. You realize who he is and who you are and you, and you really sense God's nearness and you love his closeness and then you walk out of the room and you look in the mirror and you think when you look in the mirror, I'm a failure. 
what was I thinking back there? That was just emotionalism, just an emotional high. God doesn't really care about me because you, you step out of the throne room. See, when you're in the throne room, you hear God's presence and God's voice in your life. When you're in those moments of worship, he's speaking to you very clearly about who you are, very clearly about what he's calling you to do, very clearly about his voice towards you and what he desires of you and who you are in him and how he's created you for a, for a purpose and how you're not junk and how he loves you and how he has a plan for your life in those moments of worship. And when you step out, then you begin to bow the prince and the power of the air and he begins to fight against what God has told you in the secret place and he tells you that was just an, an emotional high that's not really what God wants you can't do that you God hasn't created you for that God disappointed in you you and I must realize that we're in these moments of caught up to the presence of God. When God speaks about who we are, when God speaks about our calling, when God speaks about our purpose, that's who we really are. See, Jesus only speaks truth. Jesus only speaks truth. Jesus doesn't tell you what you want to hear. He doesn't just tell you something to make you feel better. He tells you who you are, who you truly are. He tells you that he has overcome, that when he says you are cleansed and there is therefore now no guilt or condemnation, there is therefore now no guilt or condemnation. The enemy, when you step out into the world, the enemy wants to speak to you and everything he tells you is lies. He tells you that you're nothing. He tells you that you can't follow through, that God's disappointed in you, that God doesn't care. He tells you all of those things because he is a liar. And the Bible says he is the father of lies. So you have to make a choice if you're going to believe the truth in the throne room, if you're going to be, believe the, the lies of the world. This is why our hearts get caught up into the times of worship. This is why it is a time where our, our emotions within us cry out to God. Because we're in his presence. He's speaking to us the truth of who we are in Christ. And it becomes that Isaiah experience where we see the Lord high and lifted up. And we think, how can this God be so good and holy and choose me? And he's saying, I have a plan. I have a purpose. You're clean by the blood of the Lamb. That's the meat of God's word. That's the meat of God's word to accept who we are in Christ and to reject the voice of the enemy that continually tries to tell us that we're not good enough. God is disappointed with us. It's in these times of worship where we often hear God's voice the clearest. And I would ask you, what is God speaking to you in those times of worship? What is God speaking to you? This morning, when your heart was caught up in the worship of Jesus, what was God speaking to you about who you are and what he's calling you to do and the place that he wants for you in his kingdom? Maybe you should write it down. I'll wait. Because if it came from the Lord, it's truth. How is God leading you in those times when you feel closest to him? And I think that it is imperative for you and I that we act on those moments, not acting in the lies of the enemy and the lies of the world, but acting in the reality of what it means to be caught up in the throne room of the Lord, in his presence, where he speaks truth to us. So what's the point? I think there are a few things I would encourage us uh, to think about. The first of those, uh, as we seek to feast on the meat of God's word, the first of those is, is rocks. I want us to think about rocks. 
Jesus in Matthew chapter 13, he talked about the, the parable of the sower. And as the, the, the sower went along, some seed fell on good soil and other seed fell on bad soil. And you and I have to prayerfully prepare the soil of our heart and our church and our people and our world. And rocks are hard places of unrighteousness and unforgiveness and bitterness that control us. So when we come to the soil of our life, there is some work that we have to do if we are going to prepare it for the planting of the Lord and to receive the meat of God's word, that we actually have to go in and begin to dig some rocks out. Now, some rocks are pretty obvious, aren't they? Some of these rocks, they sit right on the top of the surface of the dirt, and I can walk right through, and I can see where every single one of these rocks are, and I can begin to pick them out of the box. They're pretty simple. They come right to my mind. I know right where they are. Maybe this is bitterness or unforgiveness or something against I've held against some person that I know about right there on the top. And God says, if you want me to do the work in you that you desire in your heart when you're caught up in the throne room that I'm speaking to you about, you've got to begin to dig out some of the rocks in the soil of your life. Some of them will be very obvious. Others, you're going to have to dig through. You'll have to get some branches out. Some of them are going to look like just the good soil, but it's not good soil at all. And you've got to get them out. And sometimes you've got to dig deep within some things to get some little rocks out. And you've got to begin to dig and dig through and begin to prepare the soil in your life for what God wants to do. Well, this can be a painful process. How hard is it to forgive someone when you don't think you need to offer them forgiveness, but they need to come to you and ask you for forgiveness? How long have we held on to some bitterness because of what was done to us through no fault of our own? And yet we continue to hold on to it, and it continues to control us. But God is saying, this is why I said it's much easier to just pastor a normal kind of congregation. <laughs> it may be easier for you to go to a normal church. <laughs> I don't want you to leave. <laughs> but if you're going to be here, let's just do the real thing and not, not play around with it. I mean, God's, God's calling us. If... if if, if what we read in this book, if it's, if it's real, let's just jump in with both feet and go under the water here and see what God's going to do. We're all people, okay? There's no one here who's Jesus who doesn't have sin. We can look at every one of us in the mirror. We've all sinned in the past. We've all done things wrong. I've done things wrong. No preacher should be on a pedestal. But every one of us has to go on. It's painful to dig out some of these rocks. Some of them are very obvious. Some of them are not so obvious, but all of them can be very painful. And it's a work of the Holy Spirit. This is where you and I must rely on the power of the Holy Spirit to work in our life. See, this is the thing. What I would much rather in my life do is come over to Brother Eric and say, let me share with you all the rocks you have in your life. <laughs> I can see all his rocks really clearly. <laughs> and I can start picking them out. I don't want to dig out the ones in my own life. That's more difficult, isn't it? But every one of us has to begin to search and to dig what God is calling us to do. If we want to step into the fullness of what God has for us, both individually and as a people, we have to be willing to step into the righteousness of God, the meat of what the scriptures are talking about. Righteousness, holiness, consecrated unto the Lord, letting go of 
bitterness, letting go of the challenge, letting go of the unforgiveness, letting go of the perpetual unrighteousness, letting go of it by the power of the Holy Spirit because it will prevent the work of the Lord from taking root in your life. You and I must prayerfully ask the Lord to show us any areas of unrighteousness and renounce it before the Lord. We must renounce it before God. We must ask God to prayerfully help us and to forgive us for our sin. Moving the rocks from the soil of our life so that the seeds of the gospel can take root. I would begin to remove the rocks from the soil in our life. We need to begin to dig some ditches. We talked about this a few weeks ago. We need to dig ditches in anticipation of what the Lord will do. So it's not simply taking out the rocks, the hard places in our life. It's not simply kind of getting rid of those things. God also wants us to come in and to begin to dig out a ditch in our life. Why does God want us to do that? He wants us to dig a place in which the water of the Holy Spirit can dwell. Now, here, here is how we often see the Lord at work. Here's how we see the Lord at work. You have to dig the ditch before the water comes. You have to dig the ditch before there's even clouds in the sky. Y'all know I like to talk about growing up on, on the family farm. I, I enjoy that part of my life of growing up and seeing how crops are put in the ground and other things. And one of the things that I often saw my uncles and my cousins do on uh, the fields where I grew up, it was flat. It wasn't mountainous like it was here. It was, it was flat land. And so uh, when it would rain, water would just kind of pool in areas unless there were ditches dug. And when the ditches were dug, then the water would begin to flow through the field. And so even if there was an artificial irrigation uh, system in the field, uh, my uncles and cousins would go and they would begin to dig ditches throughout the fields in order to carry the water to water the seeds that had been planted. They dug ditches in anticipation of the water that was to come because they wanted the crop to produce some 30, some 60, some 100 fold. So you and I have to begin to dig ditches to hold the water that the Holy Spirit is desires to rain both on us personally, on us as a congregation, and on our, our city and our world. We're, we're responsible for that. We have a responsibility to prayerfully, uh, one writer puts it, who I've been reading, one writer puts it, prophetically digging ditches. That's what you and I are called to do as we have got rid of the rocks as we prayerfully ask the Lord to help us get rid of the rocks, the unforgiveness in our life, God calls us then to begin to prophetically dig ditches in our life. Let's, let's talk a little bit about that. 2 Kings uh, chapter 3. So you've got, in this passage, you have the king of Israel, uh, the king of Judah, which, remember, Israel was, was one unit and then split into the northern and southern kingdom, Israel and Judah. So you have Israel and Judah, and we also have the king of uh, Edom in uh, this instance. And there, these three kings had allied against one another, uh, against the king of 
Moab. And uh, the king of Israel and Judah and Edom, they, they're, they're going to kind of attack the king of Moab. And they go on this seven-day kind of journey, and they find no water, and they take it as a sign that the Lord is against them and going to give them into the hand of uh, the Moabites. And so they ask, is there not a prophet of the Lord? Is there not somebody around here who can get in touch with the Lord and hear his voice and understand what God is speaking? Is there not anyone around here who can do that? And uh, in the second part of verse 11, it says, Elisha, the son of Shaphat, is here who used to pour water on the hands of Elijah. Joseph had said, the word of the Lord is with him. So the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat was the king of Judah, and the king of Edom went down to him. Now Elisha said to the king of Israel, what do I have to do with you? Go to the prophets of your father and to the prophets of your mother. And the king of Israel said to him, no, for the Lord has called these three kings together to give them into the hand of Moab. And Elijah said, as the Lord of hosts lives before whom I stand, were it not that I regard the presence of Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, I would not look at you nor see you. But now bring me a minstrel. In essence, here again, look, look to what Elisha is doing. Bring me someone who can play. Bring me someone who can help us enter into worship. Bring me someone who is musical. And it came about when the minstrel played that the hand of the Lord came upon him. And he said, so picture what's happening. Worship is going on here. Elisha is worshiping the Lord. Music is happening and the word of the Lord comes and he receives the word of the Lord during that time of worship. Again, caught up in the throne room in the presence of God where the truth of God is, hearing the voice of God in the presence of God and receiving the word of the Lord. Verse 16, he said, Thus says the Lord, make this valley full of trenches. For thus says the Lord, you shall not see wind, nor shall you see rain. Yet the valley shall be filled with water, so that you shall drink, both you and your cattle and your beasts. This is but a slight thing in the sight of the Lord. He will also give the Moabites into your hand. Then you shall strike every fortified city and every choice city, and fell every good tree, and stop all springs of water, and mar every good piece of land with stones. It happened in the morning about the time of offering the sacrifice that, behold, water came by the way of Edom, and the country was filled with water. Now all the Moabites heard that the kings had come up to fight against them, and all who were able to put on armor and older were summoned and stood on the border. And they rose early in the morning, and the sun shone on the water, and the Moabites saw that the water opposite them as red as blood. Again, picture what's happening here. God says to the three kings, dig as many trenches as you can. I will fill the trenches supernaturally with water. And that's exactly what happens the next morning. They dig these trenches, and as the sun comes up, the Moabites are kind of looking out towards the armies of the three kings. And as the sun is sort of rising behind them and reflecting upon the water in the ditches, what the Moabites see and what they believe has happened is that this isn't water in the ditches, but it's blood in the ditches as the sun is reflecting upon the water. And they think God has given these three kings into our hand. Let us go down and plunder them. Verse 23, the Moabites said, this is blood. The kings have surely fought together and they have slain one another. Now, therefore, Moab to the spoil. But when they came to the camp of Israel, of Israel, the Israelites arose and struck the Moabites so that they fled before them and they went forward into the land, slaughtering the Moabites. They destroyed the cities and they did the things which God had called them uh, to do. So as much as they could dig the ditches, God filled with water. 
As many ditches as they could dig, God filled every one of them for, with water. And the water was not only to refresh the three kings and their armies, the water was also to defeat the enemies of God. Digging ditches. Prophetically digging ditches, believing that God will send the water. You and I, as a congregation and as a people, we're going we're to talk more about this. In the next three weeks, we're going to talk about rocks, ditches, and bowls. So we're going to jump into this more. But you and I are called to prophetically dig ditches in our life to receive the water of the Lord in our church, that our brothers and sisters would be full of the spirit of uh, the Lord Jesus Christ, in our community that there would be water that flows throughout our community, the water of the Holy Spirit, and in our world that the gospel would go forth, that Jesus Christ himself would be exalted and glorified. Digging ditches. And finally, back to the bowls in Revelation chapter 5. Those prophetic ditches that you are digging through prayer as we pray and we ask God to water our land, to water our life, to water our hearts with our spirit, with his spirit, as we're specific about that, as we speak it in the world of what he is calling us to do. It is increasingly a pleasing aroma to the Lord. He does not forget. The bowls of the prayers of the saints are ever before him. As we are prayerfully digging the ditches for the water of the Lord, we are participating with all the saints in the prayers which they have prayed to also dig ditches in order that the Spirit of God would water his land. We are filling bowls of worship to Jesus in our role as the priesthood of all believers. This is why I believe, and again, in sort of beginning to try to, to tie some of these cords uh, together over the last several weeks and months of what God is calling us to do. This is why I believe that God has called us to this coming weekend in a season of prayer, a season of focused prayer, a season of nonstop prayer for a few hours over the weekend. Friday morning, beginning, that we will pray and we will begin the process in our own lives personally of confessing the rocks in our life and asking the forgiveness of the Lord, asking God to heal us of unforgiveness, asking God to help us with bitterness, asking God to help us live lives that are righteous before him. We will pray and we will intercede. Throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament, we see often as people began to pray, they began confessing their own sins. See, you don't have a responsibility just to confess your sin. You also have a responsibility to confess the sin of your people. So if you don't think you have any sin, turn on the news and find someone who does. And if you can't find it, come talk with me. Let's pray together. <laughs> Confessing our sin and the sins of our people earnestly before the Lord seeking after him. As we're making confession, we're going to begin to prophetically dig some ditches in some specific areas in our lives, in our church, in our community, and in our world. We're not going to stop. We'll start Friday morning. We're going to go Friday all day, Friday all night, Saturday all day, Saturday all night, until Sunday morning and we gather together. And the purpose of that is to, one, teach us all how to tarry and pray. Teach us, God, how to tarry and pray before you. The church will be open. Sister Autumn Nims, who just a week and a half or so ago went through cancer surgery, has organized this entire thing. 
She said she was going to keep working. And we said, you're not going to do that. <laughs> She's helped to put a system together in which we can pray in an organized way. But the church is going to be open. If you're driving by at midnight, stop in. If you're driving by at 3 in the morning, stop in. Somebody's going to be here. The thought being of what God has put in our heart is that the fire won't go out. During that time, the fire will not go out. Somebody is going to be praying. Somebody is going to be worshiping. Somebody is going to be seeking the Lord here. There's going to be a presence here at the church that the fire would not go out so that we can confess our sin, confess our unrighteousness, confess the sin of our people, that God would hear us after we humble ourselves, that we could begin prophetically digging some of these ditches, expecting that the water of the Holy Spirit would come in as many ditches as we can dig, as much as we can dig, that God will fill by the power of his Spirit. All of this to the praise and glory of Jesus that we will be participating in that place in the throne room where we are filling up the bowls of incense in worship to Jesus. That what's being done in heaven will be done on earth. Worship to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. This is what God is calling us as a people to do. This is what he is speaking to us about. It's okay, parents, to wake your children and bring them in the night. There's something interesting. You read through the New Testament, read through the New Testament, and look at the times we find Jesus praying. Often it's in the night hour. It is in the night hour, oftentimes, when we find Jesus seeking after the Father. Seeking the presence of the Spirit. And so I'm asking you, we're asking you to make some time and space to seek the Lord this weekend together. Uh, the appropriate protocols and all are being put in place. If you have questions about that, uh, Sister Autumn can uh, help answer some of those. Uh, she's going to be available. There's time slots where we're asking people. There'll be other people here, but we're asking some people, can you pray and kind of lead for an hour or 30 minutes or whatever? She will give you the details of that. But can you be here and can you pray for that time and seek the Lord? This is what God is calling us to do. He said, my house shall be called a house of prayer. The reason he inhabits prayer. And God is calling us to be free of some things. I truly believe that. He's calling us to be free of some things. This is why some of you have gone through painful processes over the last several months. You realize that? I realize that in my own life. That's why God, God, God has been helping you to get some rocks to the surface. You think, why have I had to go through some of the things that I've had to go through? God's helping you for this moment because you're part of this church. No, don't leave. But God's helping you because he's bringing some rocks to the surface that have got to be dealt with. They've got to be dealt with before the ditch. You can't get the cart before the horse. You've got to get the rocks out first. This is why some of us have gone through painful periods over the last several months. Because God's saying, this is a rock you need to deal with. But we should rejoice and be exceedingly glad that Jesus saw the rock in our life and pointed it out to us. He wants us to be free from that. And there is a place of freedom. There is a place of freedom. There's a place of freedom. And when we get to that place of freedom, we will dig and we will see the glory and power of the Lord Jesus Christ that we are longing for together. So as we pray... I'm going to ask you to think about what is your role, what is your purpose in this weekend of prayer? Because we're coming together corporately, we're saying God is calling us to this. God is calling us to this. What is your, we all have a part. You're here for a reason. You didn't just step in. God brought you here. God brought you here. God brought you here. What is your role? What is your purpose? How will you serve? What is he calling you to intercede for? What is in your heart? When you were praying and worshiping him as we were being led to the throne room this morning, what was God putting in your heart during that moment? Be a part 
engage in what God is calling us to do. Sister Autumn and others will help you to find that place. This weekend, we will meet together, and we will come to the throne room together, and we're going to pray that God is going to fully deliver some, that God is going to release some people who have been held bound by the enemy, who have been captive to their thoughts and captive to the wickedness of Satan who find themselves in that throne room place and see what God really thinks of them, that he loves them, that he cares for them. We're going to pray that we can dig these ditches, that there is going to be a place where God is going to call us to begin to dig in our community, that the water of the Holy Spirit would flow, that all of these prayers which we pray would be captured in the bowl in the throne room of heaven ever before the Lord. Stand with me. And I ask you to pray, just simply where you are, <clears throat> and ask the Lord, what is my part? God, what is my part? What are you speaking? What are you saying to me, Lord? How can I participate? I'm not, you know, I want to be clear, I'm not trying to get a roster filled. That's not the point of this message. That's not the point of this message. If you don't sense it, don't do it. But I believe many of you are. You're hungry for something more. I'm hungry for something more. If we're hungry, we're longing, we've got to be a little bit willing to go beyond what we've always done, to step out and to be willing to sacrifice a little time, sacrifice a little food. Say, God, meet me. Meet us. Help me to get into that presence, that place that you've called me to. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your grace today and your mercy, O Lord. God, speak to each one of us. Lord, that you may speak to some who say, you know, I can play the piano, I can play the guitar, I can be the minstrel, I can help, help make an atmosphere of prayer. You may speak to some who say, I, God, I, I, I have a spirit of intercession. I want to pray, God. People have a burden. If you've got a burden for this community, if you've been seeking the Lord, you've been asking God for inroads, for the gospel, you've been saying, God, the, the ground in Charlottesville is parched, it's hard, but God, I'm going to begin to confess some things in our city that I see. And I'm going to begin to dig and to kind of dig through that tough, that tough crust and as many ditches as I can dig, oh Lord, as many, as many troughs as I can kind of dig out, oh God, I'm going to do. That the water of your spirit, the grace of your spirit would flood in our city.
Lord Jesus. God, if I were to give a mirror to every person in this room, what would the first thought be when they see themselves? be failure weak or would it be the words of Christ it says you are his child He has bought you with a price. He has set his love upon you. You are free from the iniquity and sin of the past. God, I just pray, oh Lord Jesus, that you will help us, God. Help us, Lord as we anticipate this time together, as we pray, as we seek you. God, that there would be deliverance, freedom. That the word of the Lord would come and speak to us. To dig the trenches, dig the ditches in our life in our church, our community, that the water of the Holy Spirit will come. Speak to your people, Lord Jesus, I pray. Thank you for being a part of Riverstone Church. I hope today's message encouraged you to take a step closer to Christ. If there is anything we can pray for or talk with you about, please visit our website at riverstonechurch.net. May the Lord bless you this week and may you walk in all of his promises and plans for your life.